Hey everybody, what's up and welcome in to Best on the Board presented by BetMGM. As we are sitting here recording this, it is Tuesday, March 15th. We are just about 50 hours away from the real start of the tournament. Of course, a couple of first four games on Tuesday night, two more on Wednesday night. But we're all waiting for that big Thursday tip-off, 16 games, and we're about 50 hours away uh, from that tip as of this recording. Michael Beller here with you on today's episode of Best on the Board. We are going to talk through all of those Thursday first-round games. We're going to talk through all of them, not necessarily going to have bets that we're recommending for all of them, but we're going to talk you through all 14 that are scheduled. Of course, there will be 16, but we got to wait for the winners of Tuesday night's first four games before we know uh, what those matchups are for the other two games. So we got 14 games on Thursday that we are going to talk through for you and give a, give out some of our favorite bets for Thursday's action. Joining me to do that, Austin Mock. Austin, what's going on? Not much. We're just it's uh, we talked about it yesterday, and and I had actually friends mention it too. Like we get all these college basketball games like pumped into our face last week and and all these high stakes games and then we have this just dead period finally we get some first four games tonight i'm pretty i i like the first four games it's a good way to like kind of kind of get you excited because if we if we didn't have anything like the old style it gets a little (laughs) painful here monday through wednesday just staring at the odds board like waiting like come on just give me all this action but thursday 12 15 it's like nonstop until after midnight on the East Coast somewhere out mm-hmm. there. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. It's uh, the, the two best days of the sports calendar, as far as I'm concerned. And I love, I love the NFL and college football. I love Major League Baseball. I love the NBA. Uh, but these are the two best days on the sports calendar: Thursday and Friday, the first round of the NCAA tournament. So very excited for those days to get here. Let's dive in, man. Let's go in. We've got 14 games, like I said, to get through, so let's get into them. We're just going to take them in straight chronological order of when these games tip off. The first game, the very first uh, day of the tournament, first game of the tournament, not including the first four, is Michigan and Colorado State. All these odds coming to us from BetMGM. And again, this is as of about 10.30 a.m. Eastern time on Tuesday. So certainly a chance that these move around, but these are where the odds sit. 10.30 a.m. Eastern time on Tuesday. Michigan, two and a half point favorites against Colorado State. 139 and a half is the total in this game. I thought, Austin, I was going to be going into the show back in Colorado State, but there's just there's we've talked about it a couple of times you and I've done a couple of shows this this week we've talked about Michigan there's just, there, there's still this je ne sais quoi about Michigan where it's like if they like this could be a sweet 16 team this could be an elite 8 team like the talent is there it hasn't they haven't shown it to us at all with any consistency this season it's enough to scare me off of Colorado State catching the two and a half points though especially with all the other options we have yeah, it, it's a weird matchup in this one. Like you said, uh, Michigan kind of gives off a little bit of Alabama vibes in the sense of they're yeah. very inconsistent. Um, like, you know, they played Purdue close on the road, and then they smoked Purdue like a week later at home. Um, and then they'll go out and lose. Like earlier in the year, I think they lost to uh, – did they lose to Minnesota or play a close game with Minnesota or something? Yeah. I don't know. It's just, just a weird team all year. Hard to figure out. Their guard play is not great. Yeah. Devontae Jones is 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 solid, but he's he's come on late. Um, but he he's still they're just they just don't have that guy that can score a bucket. Caleb Houston, talented freshman, not there. But the big matchup in in this one for me is David Roddy for Colorado State. Yep. If you if if you haven't watched Colorado State at all, he's he's like your He's it's kind of he's just like a unique player in today's game of basketball. He's he's I think he weighs like two hundred and fifty pounds. He's only six five. 
uh, but he can play inside and out, and, and he's more mm-hmm. of a physical type. But you're going up against, you know, Diabate and Dickinson for, you know, Michigan, exactly. 6'11 and 7'1. Does Colorado State try to get him on Dickinson? I think they'll pro- Michigan will probably use Diabate on him. Uh, if foul trouble gets in, you know, either one, like if Dickinson and Diabate get in foul trouble, Roddy's going to have a day. If Roddy gets in foul trouble, it's really going to be – Hard for Colorado State to to maintain it here. I make this game right on two, so I I in I make it one thirty nine is the total, so nothing nothing no edge here for me. But it's one of the more interesting first game of the day yeah. matches. I'm, I'm it's excited to get us started with like a not. I'm glad they don't give us like a a one sixteen seed in the first game. <laughs> yeah, well, they there is a one sixteen in the first in the first session in the first four, but the other three games, including this Michigan Colorado State game, are all two and a half point spreads. So mm-hmm. we could get off to a really great start on Thursday. David Roddy, like I mean, like you said, a unique, a truly unique player. I mean, you just don't you don't see guys that size, right? Six five two fifty. That's just an unusual size for a college basketball player, for a college basketball star player, like we've seen from David Roddy this season. This is a guy who's shooting sixty two percent on twos this year and 45% on threes on 97 three-point attempts. I mean, this is like, he can really do it all. And so he's a tough matchup for Michigan, but I think they have, so long as those guys don't get into foul trouble that you mentioned, I think they have the bodies to keep throwing at Roddy to slow him down enough. Yeah, I don't trust Michigan. I've watched enough Michigan to know not to trust this team at all. And that's really what's pushing me away from this game. Yeah, like even Terrence Williams and Brandon Johns are two, six, seven, six, eight guys that are, that are, you know, bigger that they can throw on him too. So like they have the bodies to contain him. It's just like if Roddy has a day and, you know, Michigan's defense isn't great or anything, they rank outside the top 50 in pretty much every metric you're going to look at. If Roddy, you know, is playing outside, inside out and getting them, you know, in foul trouble, Colorado State's live here. I mean, it's again, it's only two and a half point favorite. Obviously they're, they're live, but for, you know, I don't know if this is the trendy 11, six upset pick, um, like because Michigan's favored, I feel like it's kind of like pulled people it's, off. Like, you know, it's like the reverse psychology. They're like, oh, a six seed is is an underdog. That doesn't seem right. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's got to be the trendy like public like everyone in your in your public pool is going to be picking Michigan. They're going to see Michigan. They're going to see an eleven next to them, and that's just going to be enough. Yeah, I would bet on that. Being and like you said, that, this that, team that could literally cool. lose by like fifteen to Colorado State, oh, or yeah. they can make a run to the Elite Eight. Like neither yeah. would really shock <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah, that's just that's been the truth of Michigan all season long here. Yeah, as you said, right? I mean, you smoke Purdue, you lose at home to Minnesota. I mean, they're all over the place. Like George Costanza <laughs> eating onions and spotting dimes. It's like, and they haven't. That's just I, the the since like January 29th, they've uh, alternated wins and losses. Like that's the epitome yeah. of their inconsistency. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, perfect summation yeah. of what this Michigan team is. No play for either of us in this one. I am in a pool where we pick every single game against the spread. Mm-hmm. I'll be picking Colorado State in that, but certainly not enough Not enough confidence in it to want to bet it. This next game, however, we both have a bet, and interesting, we did this separately. We did not put our heads together on this, and we actually have the exact same play on South Dakota State and Providence. This is another one of those two-and-a-half-point spreads with Providence being favored just by two-and-a-half in this 413 game. 149-and-a-half is the total. That is a big total. We are both going under the 149-and-a-half as a recommended play. I'll let you take this one away first Why you like this to stay under that 149-and-a-half number. Yeah, it, 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 I, I was kind of shocked. We haven't seen like any any movement here. I, I, know South, I don't know yeah. if it's just like, oh, South Dakota State, really good offense, defense isn't, isn't there. 
Uh, they play fast, so like this is a game where okay, they're gonna score points. But like as much as we're again with this reverse psychology, like I feel like somehow Providence is underrated, like in a way because everybody's like, oh, this team shouldn't be, you know, they shouldn't have won the Big East regular season title. Like there's multiple teams better than them, blah blah blah. But I, I definitely think there's a little bit of like they're still a solid team. And, and, like, I think their defense is going to be able to, like, at least slow down South Dakota State. Providence plays slow. Uh, that's another another thing that, that helps out here. I, I just don't really see Providence getting into a game where they're running up and down the court here. Uh, in, in, in a tournament game, it's first, it's early. That's another factor here. Um, I just can't see this game getting into the, the 150s. Um, and I, I really thought this would come down and, and there's been no, you know, budge in the market. It's been 149 and a half. I make it 146 and a half. So there's still room there to, to uh, play, mm-hmm. even if there's like a move down to 149. But I just, with how slow Providence plays, I don't think they're going to want to let South Dakota States dictate the style of play either. Like, I don't like, I think Providence running up and down the court with South Dakota State probably doesn't help them. So, um, Ed Cooley, he knows what he's doing. I, I think Providence slows this down, and this one stays under. <clears throat> yeah, I, I'm totally there with you. I'm totally there. Uh, like, I, like if you if you play out the how this game go, like a Providence win most likely includes them dictating pace. A South Dakota State win uh, probably means that this game stays relatively low scoring. And you know, like you look at South Dakota State, and if you look at South Dakota State's Ken Palm page, there's going to be one thing that or two things that just Boom, jump out at you, bright green, number one in effective field goal percentage, number one in three-point percentage. They're also outside the top 250 in terms of a percentage of three-pointers as a whole, as a share of their field goals taken. So while they're a great three-point shooting team, it's not like they are firing from deep. They're not, you know, like Colgate, who, who gets Wisconsin in the first round, who's just shooting three after three after three. They just shoot it very well. So it's not we're not talking about a team that's going to come out and necessarily shoot 33s in this game. I think if they're going to pull off the upset, I think they actually need to do that. I think they need to increase their increase their share of three-pointers taken. It's not necessarily easy to change your stripes like that at this stage of the season. So, you know, I just like you, you see that and you know what South Dakota State is. This is a popular upset pick. You see the two and a half and I think that helps people, you know, get themselves into thinking this is going to be a high-scoring game cuz South Dakota State can shoot it. Providence is still a four seed. They should keep it close and that gets us into the 150s. I don't think the way that these teams actually manifest their styles on the floor is going to lead it to that sort of high-scoring game. Uh, this is one of my favorite plays of the day on Thursday is this one staying under the 149 and a half. Yeah, the the last point I'll make on this too, I like to look at turnovers, offensive rebound rate, and free throw rate mm-hmm. as with, with pace as well because obviously if you're turning the ball over, a lot of times those end up in easy buckets going the other way. Offensive rebounds, same thing. Um, free throw rate, obviously you're scoring points without the clock moving. Um, South Dakota State does not turn the ball over on offense, um, yep. and neither of these defenses turn the other offense uh, uh, over. They're they're both you know in the 300s in uh, defensive turnover percentage. South Dakota State does an offensive rebound. Now Providence does. They're a top 100 offensive rebounding team, but South Dakota State does not give up offensive rebounds. Now, obviously, there's a little bit of, you know, you have to adjust for schedule there. Maybe up Providence does. And then both teams can get to the free throw line, but both teams don't foul on defense. So, like, there's some stylistically things here that I don't think we're getting, we're going to get a lot of extra possessions in this game. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, I think Providence dictates the pace here. So, I don't think this is going to be a fast paced game. So, 
yeah, I'm with you. This is one of my uh, – I hate to have totals, one of my favorite bets, but, I mean, it's my, yeah. it's my best total <laughs> bet of the day, obviously. <clears throat> uh, next up is another two-and-a-half-point spread game here. Third game of the day on Thursday, Memphis and Boise State, an 8-9 matchup with Memphis favored by two-and-a-half, 133-and-a-half, the total on this one. No play for you, but when you're breaking it down, what are you looking at in this matchup? Yeah, this is the this is one of the more interesting uh, matchups. I, I I said that before. The eight and nine games are, are fantastic. I think the seven to ten games too. Memphis is just an absolute. They're kind of like a, a Houston light. They crash the offensive boards. They play a super physical style of play. Um, Boise just kind of played that against San Diego State. They're not going to be afraid yep. of that. Um, this game's in Portland, so Boise has a little bit of a region. Um, I mean, a joke, I think on Sunday night, like, I don't actually know if it's any, if it's close at all because the games are so like the Western States are so far, but, um, I, I'm, I got nothing. I'm right on, on market here. So it's hard for me to get too much, uh, opinion. It's just basically, can this, can Boise state handle the athleticism of Memphis? Mm -hmm. Uh, Memphis is one of the more athletic teams in the country. They have been great since I think like the start of February. I think a, a lot of the public, if if like T rank, I know um, you can sort since like the start of February. I think they're like the third best team in college basketball. They absolutely crush the offensive boards. Boise State does not give up offensive rebounds. That is going to be your matchup, um, basically. Who I, I think because it's basically it's a pick them basically for me um, or Memphis slight favorite. If Memphis can get the offensive boards, they're probably going to win. If they don't, I think Boise State can can easily steal this one. So um, that's the matchup to look for in this one. <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. And it's just there's the, the margins are so slim that I don't really want to bet it at all. <laughs> You're right on with, uh, with with Memphis having been one of the best teams since February. Two losses since the calendar, since January 23rd. They lost to SMU on the road, and then they lost the AAC championship game to Houston. That's it. And let's say in that time, they went 2-1 and one against Houston. So Houston got the AAC title. Memphis beat them two times out and of they, three. And they so. kind of handled them twice. Like they, yeah, they yeah. those oh, games yeah, weren't really sure. that close. <laughs> no, no, neither of those games was close. They, the, the final score shows you a 10 point win in Houston and a 14 point win in Memphis. And they really weren't even necessarily that close. I mean, those were games that Memphis just totally cruised in. And so this has been a very good team and Boise state's been a very good team all season long. I really think there's no, there's no margin here and it is going to come down to you know rebounding and maybe turnovers again, rebounding and turnovers. Uh, some we talk about a lot this time of year. Some we talk about just a lot in basketball period because that's where you're getting extra possessions. Uh, but I think that's ultimately where this game swings yep. between Memphis and Boise State. The last game in the first session, it is a 116 matchup. It is Baylor and Norfolk State. Baylor, 21.5-point favorites in this one, 137.5. Rather than talking about this matchup specifically, what what's your what is your philosophy, if you have one, on just these monster 1-versus-16, 2-versus-15 spreads? So to get involved, I really need a, a really, really big edge um, because I, I I think there's a lot of games like this, and I'll, I'll kind of tie it back to college football. When Georgia played Michigan in the playoff, I, I thought there was, like, I think most people have said, like, the, the value was on Michigan. But I think there's so many, like, distributions or games within the distribution that Georgia wins by like 30. I think that's what these mm -hmm. one and 16 games are like, sure. You're like average points might be, you know, the average spread that your model's coming up with. Like I make it 20. Um, if like, I, I don't, I, I need like, I probably would need like 15 to bet this, like, because yeah. there's so many instances where like 
Norfolk State keeps it close for like 35 minutes and then Baylor goes on a run and wins by like 25 and like it doesn't look like you were close to like you might have been covering for 35 minutes but it's not there so that's what I try to look for in these big games because there's so many instances where Norfolk State loses by 40 but there's not any I don't think there's like any instances where they win by 15 you know what I mean like there's 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 (laughs) there's such a small area for me to really want to get involved and there's like there's just so many things going against them there's not like these teams are so much worse than the 15 seeds usually. Like right. it's really a drop off. So I really need a huge edge to to even think about really getting involved. Um, and I did not bet UMBC the year that they upset Virginia. So I can't <laughs> even say that you know I was a part of that. So mostly a, a pass for me unless something is just way off, which rarely happens this time of year. <clears throat> Yeah, right there with you. It's a, it's a pretty easy one to pass on. Again, especially with all the options. You're not going to bet everything. The 116 games are pretty easy for me to just fly on by. Tennessee and Longwood kick off the second session on Thursday. Tennessee is 16.5 point favorites. 132.5 is the total in this one. I, I want to like Longwood. I, this is a, just there's so, there's so many teams that I want to like that are on the 12, 13, 14 line that just did not get the matchups that do them favors. And that's the case here. Longwood's got everything you look for in one of these, in one of these, you know, darlings of March. They, they rebound, they force turnovers, they hit threes. Like they do all the things. Tennessee, a horrible matchup. The line is a pretty easy stay away for me because I like Longwood. Tennessee could easily win this game by 20. Tennessee is the sort of team that can get out and run away from a, clearly inferior team with everything they, they they're just not going to give them a ton of extra possessions and that's really how you grow those leads that you build so this is a stay away for me what about for you yeah same thing i make it 17 and, and 132 and a half so basically right on the pre the early market line it's come down towards longwood i i wouldn't love like i i've found value on tennessee in the tournament so far i was on them in the sec tournament so you can say i'm high on them compared to the market um the fact that I'm right on market makes me like kind of have like a just a natural lean towards Longwood because I don't have like a slight edge towards Tennessee here. But like you said, it's it's tough. Um, Longwood's not going to be able to defend the inside like their tallest players like six, seven. And, you know, you, I'm not saying that Tennessee is the, the tallest team ever here. But like if you get in foul trouble, then you run into some other issues. They struggled defending. You know the two pointer, two point. Their two point defense was terrible in the Big South this year. How are they going to fare against a you know top <laughs> SEC team, right? Um, and and they shoot threes well. They get to the free throw line. We'll see if they can do that. That's basically how they're going to have to upset. They're going to have to hit threes and and get to the free throw line. They offensive rebound well. Can they do it against a, a superior athletic team? Like that's the big question here. Um, and they shoot the three well. So if they get hot, they can they can do it. But in these games where there's a big athletic discrepancy, like can they get the open looks um, mm-hmm. if they're not able to like you know drive and penetrate and open up uh, open up the perimeter? So that's that's really the key. Can they get the open three looks to stay in this one? <clears throat> I kind of like the over for the reasons that you mentioned, because Tennessee is going to be able to, you figure Tennessee is going to get a good shot on like 90% of their trips <laughs> up the floor. Like, that's just that's just how it's going to be with the, with the size differential in this game and the talent disparity in this game. <laughs> but because of the way that Longwood can shoot the three and because of the way that Longwood can shoot free throws, if they're, if they're hitting, 
Like 132 and a half is not, you, you don't have to go that far to get to that number. You really don't have to go that hard. It doesn't have to be that close of a game to get to 133. And so I, I can't like, could, couldn't this, this game could easily be Tennessee in the mid 70s and Longwood in the low 60s. Yeah. And you, you, you cruise past the 132 and a half. So I, I, that's something that I do find a little intriguing. Yeah, I, I don't have an edge there, but if, if like I did have an under edge, I would be, I, I wouldn't like it subjectively. Because uh-huh. like there are one, both of these teams can turn you over. Like I said, that that helps towards um, you know keeping the pace up. Offensive rebound, same type of. Both teams can offensive rebound, so it is one of those games, and it's one of those things too in these tournament games. The fouls at the end, because it's win and go home or win or go home. You know, you could get some extra fouls, and and teams maybe fouling fouling a little earlier than they they would want to. Um, so yeah, I, I subjectively I, I do like the over. I think this has potential to. Uh, Basically, just be kind of like if Longwood catches hot from three, Tennessee's scoring because they have the advantage here. I think we could see some points. <clears throat> How about everyone's favorite team now coming into the tournament? Iowa, fresh off their Big Ten tournament victory, 10.5 point favorites against Richmond, a team that played its way into this tournament by winning the A10. They were not going to be dancing without doing that. They did that. They got the auto bid. They are in the tournament. They're going up against Iowa, 10.5 point dogs against the Hawkeyes, 150 and a half, uh, which is actually not the highest total on the board for Thursday. We got one that's a little bit higher than that. But Iowa, laying the 10 and a half. How do you handle a team like Iowa that is so hot coming into the tournament and quickly laying double-digit lines? Yeah, like I said a week ago, I thought Iowa had value in the Big Ten tournament, and now I think they're one of the more overpriced teams, Um, (laughs) which is just funny to me because – I don't know if it's because they have Keegan Murray, you know, a potential top 10, top potential top five pick maybe in the top NBA five, draft. Yeah. And, and like Chris Murray's come on, you kind of have like obviously a clone of him. Like they're just a very difficult team to guard. Obviously, Bohannon can shoot the, shoot the lights out of the ball, but they're just really long. They're not a great defensive team. Um, but again, they're, I know they've been hot and we've seen hot teams not do well in the tournament. But like Iowa is another team that I like wouldn't be shocked if they went down early because they've they, they, they've done this before. Like we, we've seen this like they you know, we talk about Michigan being inconsistent. It wasn't you know, last month. They lost to Michigan at home. Right. Like and, and Michigan kind of handled that game. They came back late. Um, so it's tough. I don't love the matchup for Richmond. I'm not a huge Richmond believer. Uh, you know, like you said, they kind of made a run here. I think this is a, a bad matchup for them. <sighs> I make this game nine, so I am this. This number was eight and a half, so we've seen some Iowa respect in the market. I just can't, I can't get there. Like I don't know how what what mm-hmm. they're gonna put on Gilliard. Uh, he's only five nine. Like I, I don't think Bohannon will guard him. So I, like, is he gonna be like Perkins maybe on him a good bit? I don't know mm-hmm. if he's gonna just be totally like outmatched with the length. But like Richmond does have some length, so maybe they can they can stay in this game. Iowa's defense is not good. Richmond could is probably going to score on them. It's it's whether Richmond can slow down uh, Murray and Bohannon and or both Murrays yeah. and Bohannon Bohannon here. So yeah, yeah, I think I think you're, it'll be it'll be some combination of Perkins and Toussaint on on uh, Gilliard. Um, you know that's what they'll that's what they'll throw at him. I think, uh, but yeah, I, like I want to get I, I do I want to get there with Iowa to be honest, but I, I just can't I can't quite get to the ten and a half. And I kind of want like Iowa's an interesting team. You brought this up on one of our shows earlier this week. Like there are some 
you know, there are some there are some teams that you don't necessarily love in the first round, but you can project ahead to a you know, potential second round matchup, potential Sweet Sixteen matchup where you would like them. And I was one of those teams that falls into that where I could see liking them against either of their second round opponents, Providence or South Dakota State, if they get to the Sweet Sixteen and are playing Kansas. You know, we'll see what the line is there, but I think that's a, a situation where they might match up well. Uh, against uh, against Kansas, they've been a much better perimeter interior defense team over the last six weeks or so than they were earlier in the season. We saw that in the Big Ten title game against Purdue, and obviously that's something you're going to need to do against Kansas with David McCormick and their dribble penetration. So it'll be interesting. This matchup, however, not one that I want to lay the ten and a half, and I just can't get next to Richmond now with the way Iowa's been playing over this recent stretch. So we can move on from that one. I, Maybe a fun game, but not one that we're going to be betting. Yet another one seed, Gonzaga, 23.5 point favorites against Georgia State. 149.5 is the total. I'm going to follow up on the discussion we just had. We were talking about Baylor and Norfolk State. Uh, you said from the from the position of the 16 seed, you need to have a major, major edge to want to back them. What's the scenario in which you're backing the one seed? Is there one, or do you just do you fear the back door always being open when you're laying twenty three and a half? Yeah, it, it's it's kind of the same thing. Need a need a huge edge because so many things change at the end of games. Um, like you don't know. Like in my opinion, how I would play it if like Gonzaga's up twenty five with like four minutes left, I'm I'm pulling everybody yeah. right. Like I I don't know if like some teams might not. I'm not saying that that Mark Few is going to do this or not, but I, I it's it's such a hard thing to project. That I don't I yep. really the way that at least I model things is not really set up to like I'm not simulating the game where it's like okay they're up 30 they're going to pull everybody so you know Georgia State is going to be you know even for the rest of the game or or something like that. You know, it's just it's just super unpredictable at the end of games that I just uh-huh. don't really want to get involved with. So. Same thing here. I make this game like 21 and a half. Um, so like slight lean towards Georgia State. Uh, but like, no thanks. I, <laughs> like if you really think about it, like obviously all points aren't the same in the sense of like if, if I make a team say minus one and they're minus three, like obviously the plus three is much more valuable than the, you know, the difference between 23 and 21. Like, yeah. you know, there's a huge difference there. So that that's kind of what I mean is I need this really big discrepancy, and it's just not going to happen uh, in these, these at this point in the season. Like, we know who these teams are. You're just not going to see it. It's really, really difficult to bet the 116 games. <clears throat> All right, let's get ourselves back to one of these smaller spreads. Marquette and North Carolina, another one of these great 8-9 matchups in the first round. North Carolina, three-and-a-half-point favorites. This one has the largest total on the board for Thursday, 152 and a half. It uh, uh, should be a fun game. What are you looking at with this matchup? Yeah, so this is – this is I'm, I'm pretty much right on market. I make a minus three and 150, so slightish lean towards the under. The, but both of these teams play fast. And when mm-hmm. both teams play fast, you can get some game. Like, if you, <laughs> I always go back to, like, some – when you're betting totals, like, there's, there's some times where there's, like, a five-possession stretch that, like, puts the game over like it really doesn't matter what else happens like if you have five straight possessions and like four threes it's like oh well they just scored 15 points in like (laughs) a minute and a half so Uh um i I think it's north carolina is an interesting team i'm they're playing better down the stretch here baycott is is someone who's he's just such a tough matchup for a lot of teams um that i think Marquette can kind of handle him. They got they got some length and some bodies that that can throw at him. But like I don't I don't know if anybody really like matches up well with them. Like I, I really wish both of the like Baycott and Chibwe could go at each other. That would be fantastic to watch. But 
Um, Marquette does not offensive rebound. North Carolina is the best, one of the best defensive rebounding teams in the country. Um, Marquette turns the ball over a lot. North Carolina doesn't doesn't force turnovers, so that that's another thing that's pointing mm-hmm. towards North Carolina here. So North Carolina shoots the three better. I, I just it's I I don't have a numbers lean there, but I, I think if if basically if Marquette is kept off the offensive boards, it's really difficult to see them taking enough points away from North Carolina, and North Carolina eventually pulls away. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm actually on North Carolina here. Vill- or, uh, not uh, not Villanova. Villanova was part of Marquette's great story uh, through the first half of the the Big East schedule. This was not necessarily a team that was expected to be you know much of a Big East contender or a tournament team. And then they go out and they rip off seven straight wins in the Big East, eight out of nine, including two over Villanova. They swept Villanova in the regular season. So yeah, that's really what put Marquette on the map. That's basically right there. That that eight of nine stretch is what got them into the tournament. It's been ugly. Yeah. Since then, though, uh, losses to Butler, lost to DePaul, uh, handled pretty easily by Creighton in the, their first game in the Big East tournament. It just feels like a team that you know surged way ahead of where it really was earlier in the season and then found its level after that surge. And so I feel like if there were if there were another two weeks in the regular season, you know, I think we could be looking at Marquette as like a last four in type of team. And I think that's really more where they are. And so I think just the eight, nine is throwing things off a little bit here. North Carolina sort of had the reverse of that. And I don't, you you can't really fault them for running into a hot Virginia tech team in the ACC tournament and going out the way that they did. I like North Carolina here. I think that this is just a, a better team, and the, the the fact that this is an eight nine game is helping keep the the spread a little artificially low. So I'm going to bet Mar- I'm going to bet North Carolina. I'm going to lay the three and a half on the Tar Heels. I think this is uh, this is one that I want to get behind. Yeah, North Carolina that that game against Virginia Tech, they lost by thirteen. They were they were minus eighteen from the three point line. They went three of twenty six, yeah, and Virginia go. Tech went nine of twenty. Like that's simple. Uh, but like you said, North Carolina has been playing well. Um, their last, I guess, without they have three losses since January twenty fourth. Um, somehow they they lost to Pitt by nine at home. I don't know what happened in that <laughs> game there, but um, Duke and Virginia Tech, like that's yeah. I know the ACC is no not shame. strong, but that's that's kind of that's what you that's that's a team you want to see that trending um, that way. And in that same stretch, you mentioned they have wins over Duke and Virginia Tech, right. two wins over yeah. Virginia Tech, and a win over Duke in that <clears throat> yeah, stretch so, too. So yeah, feel good. Yeah, they're feeling they're good trending, about the win with Like you point. said, opposite of Marquette. Marquette mm-hmm. is faltering. North Carolina's going up. So. <clears throat> All right, Austin. Here we got. Like I, I structured this, um, you know, in a in a, uh, a chronological way, just for to keep things easy. But that also meant that a lot of the picks that you had just happened to be toward the end of the show. We now are going to go on a run of four straight games where you do have plays, and we start with UConn and New Mexico State. UConn six and a half point favorites in this one, one thirty one and a half. You're going with the dog, New Mexico State, getting the six and a half. Let's hear why. Yeah, you know, numbers. I, I make this uh, just under five. Um, I know Connecticut's a weird team for me. I, I, again, I'm not just like super high in the Big East, so like so. I, I'm I'm not as high as as one would think. And again, I think these, I think this tournament in general is more jammed packed, top to bottom, um, than you than you'd expect. So, the tough part is New Mexico State has turnover problems. That's basically what it's going to come down to: is can they avoid turning it over? Um, but the matchup that I really like here is New Mexico State can get on the offensive glass and. Connecticut's not anything special on, on when they're uh, rebounding the ball defensively. Now, Connecticut also rebounds incredibly well, but New Mexico State's a solid defensive rebounding team. So can that can they 
I guess, win that advantage or at least like be 50-50 to stay close mm-hmm. here. Um, another thing that I like is New Mexico State gets to the free throw line a lot and Connecticut allows the other teams to get to the free throw line a lot. So there's a matchup there where maybe you get some point a point advantage in the uh, at the free throw line, um, you know, something where they're, they're shooting maybe, you know, 50% more free throws than Connecticut there. So um, that that's that's really where this comes down to for me. I think that outside of that, like New Mexico State is a good uh, three-point defense. Can they keep that up against Connecticut? We'll see. I, it's always tough to tell when you face these teams that are, are you know, more athletically um, – more athletic than than who you're playing, but Mexico State's got some length, you know, like six 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 four six seven six ten six seven. So there, there's no shortage of height here um, for New Mexico State. So I think they can hold their own. It's I, I think it really truly comes down to that turnover number. Can they not just crush themselves with turnovers in this game? <clears throat> yeah, that's going to be uh, definitely the thing to watch in this one. And you, you mentioned the length on this team, a useful little number that you can find on Ken Palm. This is a team's average height. Mexico State's actually 42nd in the country, UConn 39th. So this is not your typical, you know, big conference school, small conference school, uh, just uh, the size differential that you would expect to see in it. That's not necessarily going to be the case when these two teams get together. Next up on the board here, Kentucky, 17 and a half point favorites against St. Peter's, 131 and a half the total in this game. Just a few minutes ago you mentioned how there's always a pretty big drop off from the 15 to the 16 you're staying away from 16s unless a huge huge monster edge comes your way but here you are back in the 15 seed St. Peter's catching the 17 and a half what has you on St. Peter's yeah so this is this is uh, enough of an edge I I make this 13 and a half and it scares the crap out of me because again I'll I'll preface (laughs) it that they can lose by 30 like easily Kentucky can just run away with this from from the first moment of the game um but they they do have you know a little bit of height that 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 makes me feel a little bit better it's not like they're it's not great you know like you're looking at 67 mostly um as the tallest and obviously but like Sheboy's only 69 like obviously he plays much bigger than 69 um and, and he's just a freak but i think their defense St. Peter's defense um they turn you over uh, I know Kentucky doesn't doesn't uh, turn the ball over much, but that's that's one area where St. Peter's can maybe steal a couple possessions. St. Peter's plays pretty slow. Kentucky doesn't play like incredibly fast either. So with the turnovers, maybe steal a few possessions here. I expect St. Peter's to probably play a little bit slower um, than they mm-hmm. usually do, to because I don't think they want to get up and run. They're not built like that. They're a defensive team. You don't want to run when you're a defensive team against a, a, a superior opponent. Um, Defensive rebounding can, can, uh, is is a little bit of a worry because Shibway can, can dominate the glass. But St. Peter's gets to the free throw line a lot. And that's that's one of the – they do foul a lot too, but they, they so there could be a lot of free throws in this game. But I think with, if St. Peter's can, again, steal some points from the free throw line and keep their turnovers down, 17 is a lot of points. We've seen Kentucky kind of be inconsistent yeah. this year. Their defense at times has lapsed. So maybe that's where St. Peter's weakness is. That's where Kentucky's weaknesses on defense. Maybe they can score some points, and St. Peter's defense. Maybe they can they can show out and and, and slow down this Kentucky offense. I I hate it. I hate these games because <laughs> there is the thirty point route. Like uh-huh. it, it's it's a good chance it can happen. But uh, I'm going with the Peacocks here, and who doesn't want to. Who doesn't want to back the peacocks? On the Who doesn't want to back a peacock, right? <laughs> uh, it's it's worth mentioning. It, the the pace is worth hammering home because 
you know, uh, St. Peter's is not thinking about covering 17 and a half. They're thinking about pulling off right. a monumental upset and advancing <clears throat> to the second round. And if you just look back over the history of the NCAA tournament, when you see these teams pull off these huge upsets, one one like this, not just the, your garden variety 12-5, but these huge upsets, you often see teams that play slow. You don't want to get out and get into a track meet and open up the possibility of making you know mistakes and giving the other team, the superior team, easy buckets going in the other direction. And St. Peter's already a team that is predestined to play slow, and so you throw in the fact that they probably need to play even slower against Kentucky than they did in you know, the Metro Athletic. That It's going to be something that I think maybe we see them do, play even slower, especially yeah. on offense. So it could be something that definitely keeps the game close. So you, you play it slow, There's a, you have more – ways of staying within 17 and a half than if you let Kentucky yeah, and, dictate and, and both teams go a little faster. have kept the other team, their, their defensive three-point percentage numbers are great, so there's, that's another reason if, if St. Peter's can kind of run Kentucky off the three-point line and not give up points there, you could it, now there could be a lot of free throws in this game, but mm-hmm. there, there's a scenario where this game just like grinds down to a halt and St. Peter's will literally do anything for that to happen. <laughs> Right, exactly. Uh, third 8-9 game of the day on Thursday is San Diego State and Creighton. San Diego State favored by 2.5, Those are the totals we're used to seeing when San Diego State uh, plays a basketball game. You're on San Diego State. I'm also on San Diego State, but I'll let you uh, make the argument for them. Yeah, similar style teams. This isn't your usual Creighton like juggernaut on offense um, that we've seen, you know, I feel like over the last decade, really. Yeah. Um, they're, they're pretty good defensively. San Diego state is fantastic defensively. Um, the thing that really concerns me here is that Creighton turns the ball over a lot and San Diego state is really good at turning you over. Um, and when you, when that happens and you struggle offensively, like Creighton can, both of these teams can, can struggle offensively. But if you, if you give San Diego state free, you know, possessions essentially with, with a lot of turnovers, this could get ugly kind of quick because it's going to be such a slow paced and defensive battle game. Mm-hmm. You can't like, you can't afford that many like lost possessions because there's, there's not that going to be, there's not going to be many left. Um, so that, that's my, con- my concern on, on the Creighton side. So um, I make this game <clears throat> uh, closer to five. Actually, this is a pretty, pretty big edge for me. I just think stylistically uh, my model really likes this. Like, Creighton doesn't shoot the three-point well this year. They like to get inside. San Diego State is fantastic on the defensive side. Um, it's just it's just stylistically, I think this is just a really bad matchup for Creighton. Um, like I said, the turnovers will be the key here. If Creighton gives San Diego State free possessions, uh, San Diego State could run away with this. Everyone loves to say it this time of year. Matchup, 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 yeah. draw, draw, draw. It's true. It's very important. And this maybe is you know, one of the more lopsided matchups uh, in terms of just what one team, and that one team being Creighton, would not have wanted to see if they could have picked their opponent yeah. just the way San Diego State plays defense. So could be one that uh, an 8-9 game that gets a little bit out of hand between San Diego State and Creighton. How about Vermont and Arkansas? This is uh, another good way to get into a show because this is uh, this is one where we do have a difference of opinion here, Austin. <laughs> Arkansas's 5.5-point favorites in this one. 139.5 is the total. You're on Vermont. I am on Arkansas. I'll let you go first here. Why do you like Vermont? Yeah, I make this uh, closer to 3.5. Um, this is tough for me because it's one of those games where maybe the Arkansas just athleticism is too much here. But Arkansas at times on offense can can get bogged down a little bit. So, uh, But this is a matchup for me. Um, Ar- Arkansas is pretty solid at offensive rebounding. 
uh, Vermont does not give up offensive rebounds. Now, I, I what I started with the athleticism, maybe the, it's it's a little mm-hmm. skewed here because Vermont has not played um, anybody like Arkansas in the last you know two months, three months, whatever it's been. Um, but uh, you can go in other metrics. Vermont does not turn the ball over. Arkansas likes to turn you over. So like that, that's a matchup advantage here for Vermont. Um, and I keep going further. They shoot the three. Well, that's always, I always love to see a team that shoots the three. Well, um, because it's just like the, it's, it's the, it's the rabbit out of your hat. Like, all right, we're getting outmatched, but we just went nine of, you know, 16 from three. So we're in this game. So that's, that's the, the matchups that I like that, that, Maybe Vermont doesn't get crushed in the offensive glass and they're not going to turn the ball over. And again, slow pace game. Vermont is going to want to slow this down. Arkansas is going to want to run. We'll see who wins the pace battle there. But uh, I think Vermont can, I think they can keep this together. Arkansas has some some tall players that could be a problem, but they're not like crazy tall across the board. I think Vermont right. Vermont can hold their own. What do you, uh, what's your, what's your counter argument? <laughs> yeah, it's it's so. First of all, I think you know with with uh, with JD Note and Audius Tony, I think they're going to be able to you know just out athleticism Vermont on the perimeter. I think they're going to be able to create some easy buckets. So you're right; it's it's a team that doesn't really shoot the three well, and, and so they are dependent on getting into the lane, creating easy buckets, drive and kick, getting offensive rebounds. I mean, that's how that's how Arkansas scores, and then they they suffocate you on the defensive end of the floor. They they pace you to death. This is a team that is 28th in adjusted tempo, according to Ken Palm. All those things I think are just are, are going to be tough for Vermont to keep up with. And I'm sympathetic to the fact that they are the uh, number one defensive rebounding team in the country, according to Ken Palm. But just looking back at, you know, they played a couple of games against uh, big conference teams. They played Maryland way back in November. Maryland cleaned up 36% of their misses in that game. They played Providence in December, and Providence got 22% of their misses on offensive rebounds. So I think we have an, it's just two games. It doesn't wipe out what Vermont did the rest of the season. But we have some evidence that when Vermont does try to step up in weight class, that defensive rebounding rate for them comes down a little. And for me, it comes down enough for Arkansas to be able to cover the five and a half. Yeah, I think that's the big, like, that's, that's, it's one of those games where, like, five minutes in, I might know, like, all right, Vermont's going to be in trouble here because they can't keep them off the glass. Uh, But I wonder, I would love to know if Muss, you know, is talk, Eric Musselman is talking to Arkansas about the fact that, I mean, they were, they were on a, a razor's edge last year in the first round against Colgate, and you, if you just look back at the final score of that game and don't remember how it actually went, like it, it looks like an Arkansas blowout, but that game was close. Was sort of like what you talked about earlier in the show, that game was closed for 35 minutes yeah. before Arkansas ended up running away with it. And so I wonder if Musselman's reminding – a lot of those guys were there last year. I wonder if he's reminding them, like, hey, yeah, guys, let's not – They won by not 17. Around this season. The average yeah. uh, margin of victory or margin in that game was Arkansas minus one. Like that's how close <laughs> that's that game. Was. That's how yeah. like ridiculous it got late. Like that'll yeah. be. That's probably one of the most like ridiculous ones you'll see. Like basically yeah. a tie game the whole game, and then some team wins yeah. by seventeen. It's crazy. Outrageous, outrageous, and part of the reason why going back to the discussion about ones and sixteens and twos and fifteens yeah. that you know those could <laughs> those could turn on you very very quickly. Mm-hmm. We got. <clears throat> Two more games to talk about here for uh, for Thursday. Murray State and San Francisco. Murray State, one-and-a-half-point favorites, 136-and-a-half. I'm staying away from that. I'm like, this is one of the last games of the day. I will have already had a lot of bets leading up to it. I'm kicking back and watching this one because, as you and I have talked about a couple of times this week, these are two teams that we both wanted to be on, and now you can only be on one max in this one. I just think it's, it's a little bit too much of a toss-up for me to really want to back either team. 
Yeah, um, I have a slight lean towards San Francisco, um, but I, I'm with you. These were two teams that I, I really, really wanted to to be on and possibly make runs. It's unfortunate that one's automatically out here. Um, but it's an interesting matchup. Like, if you haven't watched either of these teams, like, these teams are both very good. Um, you know, like, th- this isn't your normal, like, oh, they got in. Like, these, like, San Francisco was that large. Like, this wasn't, like, a random like they ran through a con- the WCC tournament and won. Um, but the interesting thing here is Murray State, really good offensive rebound team. San Francisco does not let teams uh, punish them on the offensive glass. So that's kind of – outside of that, though, they're very similar uh, profiled teams. They uh, The pace gets a little bit different, but, like, they they both defend the three-point line well. They both, like, super efficient in the paint. Um, it's really just a different style of offensive, like Murray State gets it on the offensive rebound, San Francisco, uh, not as much. They're still solid. So uh, very stylistically similar teams should just should be pr- probably my, my, I'd say my second favorite matchup of the day. Um, but this one, this one should be fantastic. <clears throat> yeah, going to be a great game and a great way to end the day on Thursday for sure. Whoever ends up winning, going to be a handful for Kentucky oh, yeah. in the second round. The last game we're talking about, however, Akron and UCLA. UCLA's 13.5 point favorites in this one, 128.5 the total. I almost scribbled in UCLA as a pick for me here. Their inconsistencies uh, keep me a little bit away. The way that Akron plays keeps me a little bit away. It's probably not a play for me. It's a, it's a strong lean, but I can't quite get over the hump to lay 13 and a half. And that's where I'm sitting on this one. How about you? Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't have uh, much of an edge on Akron to win the MAC. Um, yeah. But I, I basically bet them in like every game. Like I, it was a weird like market discrepancy there between their futures market and like the actual game market. Um, but yeah, I make this game 13 and, and one twenty six and a half. So, uh, there's nothing here for me. UCLA is, you know, their, their tournament run last year is kind of, you know, people Cinderella like, but they don't turn the ball over. And like, I, I cannot state enough how, how much that matters in these games. Obviously Juzang is, mm-hmm. is the type of player when things slow down at the end of games, he, he's kind of, he's the type of player you want to have cause he is a very good shot maker, but like, when you don't turn it over, it, it's so hard to, to steal possessions. Um, like So Akron, just like where are they going to get extra points? Are they going to be able to get to the free throw line as much as they have all year? Because uh, that's the best thing that they do um, is is get to the free throw line. Can they can they get UCLA into foul trouble? Who knows? Mm-hmm. But without the with maybe they can turn UCLA over. It just doesn't seem like that's possible because of how good UCLA is at keeping the ball. But that's that's my matchup. Can they force UCLA to get sloppy? Should be a very, very slow-paced game. So any yep. like you don't need to in these slow-paced games, you don't need to turn them over that much because there's just not a lot of possessions. If Akron can steal some possessions, um, they can make it interesting. But I don't know, tall, tall task <laughs> in this one. Yeah, <clears throat> exactly. It's, it's that pace. That that pace is the the cherry on top of me staying away from it because. Uh, it's just they're gonna have UCLA is gonna have to be ruthlessly efficient to to win this game by fourteen points, and they can be they can be that efficient. We know that it, is certainly it's true. actually Something interesting. That's gonna be it, it kind of rem- yeah. like if if Akron were to pull off this upset, it would kind of remind me of like how UCLA pulled off their upsets, like playing super slow last year, like uh-huh. winning all these. I know they played Gonzaga into the eighties, but I think that Michigan game was like fifty one forty nine, like just slowly, like just slow the game down like Akron already plays like as slow as you possibly can in today's game they're gonna try to do 
just play so much slower. This game could be very this could be this could be a nice game to fall asleep to. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Late at night, this could definitely be that sort of game. Something to keep in mind with UCLA also. Not for that's for this round, but also going forward. Uh, you know, the four guys who really handle the ball for this team, Juzang, Jules Bernard, Jaime Haquez, and Tiger Campbell, all very good uh, free throw shooters. Yeah. You've got Campbell, Bernard, and um, and Juzang are all 82% or Yeah, better. they're built. So this they're built to make they, they can they can extend leads. They can extend leads yeah. for sure. It, it's hard to it's hard to not like a lot of times we see teams, you know, not make free throws down the stretch. This is like Houston's issue. Houston's a really bad free throw yep. shooting team. Like can like teams can sneak a win because you didn't make free throws at the end. UCLA doesn't they don't have that problem. They're not gonna turn the ball over when you're pressing them late. If they're just a tough team to if you don't get your lead early, it's tough to it's tough to keep them away. <clears throat> That's a good way to wrap this up. So that's exactly what we're going to do. That's going to do it for this episode of Best on the Board. We're right back with you tomorrow, or I guess, you know, just later. I don't know, whenever you're listening. It's the podcast world. It's all a la carte. We're back with you to break down all of Friday's first round action. So be sure to have us bookmark, have us subscribe to, because we've got everything you want as you are getting ready for the start of the NCAA tournament. For Austin Mock, I am Michael Beller. Thanks so much for listening. Good luck. Happy betting. And we'll talk to you soon. See you.